Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Something that I've really been focusing on this year is like about longevity. I think that, you know, this year has been really interesting in terms of the conversation around just like aging. Hey, everybody, it's another Fanboy Friday with me, Shah Jahan Khan. This week's guest is Alana Akhtar. Alana is a reporter for The Juggernaut, a media tech company and community that publishes well-reported stories about South Asia and South Asians. She was previously at Insider, where she covered the emerging wellness industry and general health topics. Before Insider, she wrote about personal finance and managed social media for Money Magazine. She's an award-winning journalist with experience covering technology, business, politics, and higher education for companies like Time Incorporated, Jalopnik, USA Today, US News and World Report, and Michigan Radio. Alana responded to my interview request email literally four minutes after I sent it, which itself was barely 10 minutes after finishing her amazing piece on Hassan Minhaj. So I'm super appreciative for her willingness to make this happen really quickly. You can read an excerpt of our interview on Rafelion's Fawn website for Muslim American creative projects at createfawn.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com. More with Alana Akhtar and me after a quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. 
I think that like, you know, with the kind of like newfound tech interest in a lot of like anti-aging, like startups and technology, like I think that's becoming something that's a lot more like talked about. And, you know, I think now that there's better research on ways that you can extend your health span, that's been really interesting for me to follow, like a lot of the diet and, you know, chronic disease stuff, um, which are very pertinent to, you know, South Asians as well. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So, so yeah, that's been kind of on my mind most of this year. What's maybe something that maybe it's like a little bit less well-known to people that maybe is like a passion sort of a story thing that you've been following or some kind of something that, that interests you that maybe it's not like super obvious to people. It's a lot of it's like about health. <laughs> like another thing I've been following is, is about the Alzheimer's clinical trials. Like I think that, you know, we're entering like kind of a new period for Alzheimer's. Um, interestingly, I don't think a lot of people know about that. Like there's a couple of new drugs that were received at the approval over the last couple of years. And then again, like just stuff um, about prevention and how to stay cognitively healthy. Like research around that has really been very enlightening for me over the last, last year. What do you remember from publishing like your first, maybe your first story or like something you consider your first big byline? Like what was it like? Um, that's a really good question. Honestly, a lot of my favorite bylines day or from my college newspaper. I was on the Michigan Daily at the University of Michigan, like their newspaper. And I really think that was like the best kind of practice for being a journalist because there's just a, like the University of Michigan hosted a lot of events and stuff that I covered and I got like really big name speakers. And I think a turning point in my career was when, and this is probably like one of my biggest stories and even to this day, one of my biggest stories because it actually won the best news story in Michigan in the year 2015. But I covered wow. um, a beach of uh Ta-Nehisi Coast when he came to Ann Arbor and he gave like a really really rousing emotional speech and uh, a lot of the comments the questions that he got like it was 2015 so it was still like pre-Trump so I think that there was just a lot of like rising tension you know again um minorities kind of like speaking up about racism like during this time mm -hmm. so it was a really like heated kind of talk and you know credit to him he like addressed a lot of these like kind of like insightful questions you know like i think he was a very level-headed interesting smart speaker obviously and and he um did a private interview with me too i think he you know i don't even think he realizes like how much of an impact he had on me but like i like literally just asked like his comms person if i could just interview him for my school newspaper and like usually you know that's kind of like um you never really know what's going to happen but he said to me like it's my face he's like oh like i you know was on my newspaper too and and that was a good experience for me so i want to help you Wow, that's that's incredible that you could have talked to him face to face. How would you say, uh, Alana, how would you say the industry has changed from maybe from when you first started? Well, it's changed a lot and in ways that are for better and also for worse. So I think when I came on as a journalist, I graduated in 2017. That was the time when BuzzFeed was like doing really, really well. I think that some company wanted to buy them for like some absorbent amount of money, like and yeah. they said no. So like that's kind of like indicative of, you know, how well BuzzFeed was doing. And I feel like that was like the era of like where journalists were starting to get really big on Twitter. Like I think that was kind of like the peak Twitter journalism era. Um, you know, and like I think like Twitter for better and for worse, like has had like its own issues. Like I think that um, you know, doxing for like people of color, women of color was like it has continued to be a huge issue on the platform. But I think something that I did do that was really great was it kind of like uplifted a lot of different types of voices in our industry. Like I think that like Twitter did a really good job of like highlighting like the experiences of like minority journalists in the industry. So I think like we achieved like some just kind of like recognition that like the media industry has like a diversity problem. 
And I will say, so I worked at like a number of online first, digital first companies. And I do think they are like a little bit more accepting or open to hiring journalists from diverse backgrounds. Or I don't want to say it's like easier to get into there than legacy publications. But like, I think, you know, in my experience, like there was kind of like a divide between um, legacy publications and digital first publications in terms of like, you know, how even just like changing like going from the term African-American to black, like I think that was something mm. that like, like our college paper adopted, like, you know, when I was still there. And then like, I think that like the publication like might have delayed that a little bit. You'd have to check on that actually. But anyway, so yeah. So like, I feel like I definitely came in like during the heyday of like digital media. And then, so yeah, like there was definitely like a lot of like interest for journalists. We but I think now, like at least from what I have like kind of witnessed is like there's been like, and I do think, I don't know, this is, like, my theory of, like, why Elon Musk bought the Twitter. Okay. Um, like, I don't know him. I don't really know, like, yeah, what yeah. his motivations are. But I really think it was because he, you know, was very upset at the way that journalists were covering him, like, as in accurately mm. and, like, factually. And yeah. I think that he was, like, feeling very, very, like, um, frustrated with, like, how powerful journalists were on Twitter and how much of a platform that gave them. And so I think that, like, you know, like, just, like, the fact that he like got rid of all like legacy blue checks and like made it like available to other people is kind of indicative of like how like he didn't want like journalists to like have like that kind of platform and stuff. And I also think that like, you know, this past year, like I used to work at Insider. We had like our first ever round of layoffs earlier this year, but they closed this whole news division. Like, you know, these are for, like legacy digital media publications. I don't even know if you can say that, but like those are the two companies that were like, you know, doing really well when I entered the industry. And now, you know, one of them has gone and one of them I just left. So yeah, it's just, it's been kind of bad to see the rise and fall of digital media. But I mean, like, it is somewhat, you know, exciting. That's part of the reason why I joined the Juggernaut because it's, you know, growing and, you know, kind of a different type of media company, which it's an interesting, I don't know, you know, like, who's to say what's going to happen next? But yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, what's your daily routine as a journalist? So I wake up and I check the news. <laughs> I <laughs> um, usually craft my google alerts based on like the topics that i'm following and i like doing that because uh then i can get like not just like news articles come up but also um like a bunch of other types of reporting and stuff comes up and then i can like walk you all the other like the then check time to post the journal insider slate post um reuters npr ap um, and then al jazeera bbc the guardian and then just like as many other like kind of like news like, and then I also check like Pakistani and Indian and Nepali and Bangladeshi and Chinese media too, just because the juggernaut's reach is so global. So that's what I do in the morning. And then <laughs> the morning is usually dedicated towards like getting one of our stories like out published. And then I like work on the rest of my reporting. And then in the afternoon, we usually do like our social posts. And then like at the end of the day, I, you know, just try to like read like like a longer book. Like I, you know, do try to read like more nonfiction by other journalists, but Sometimes they don't want to, and I just read like or fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so yeah. What would you say are the most important skills that a good journalist should have in this current in the current era? I think you should ask um, a lot of questions, like not just to your sources, but also like to your friends, the people around you. Like I think you know the best journalists are people who like listen really well, and who you know like you know when you like get into a situation, like you know if you're getting coffee or if you're like in an Uber, like you know like. I think the best journalists are the ones who are like kind of asking the questions and not really doing a lot of the talking themselves. That's a really good trait to have. And then also like like seeing people like in an empathetic way, like making sure like when you're talking to sources that you're like being like 
um, like seeing, like understanding their perspective. Like I feel like I always try to like put my sources like first and um, cause you know, that's like a very sacred relationship. Like someone's trusting you with like information and your time and their time. Like, you know, you have to really respect that. Mm, absolutely. Last question I have for you is for other Muslim identifying in any way journalists that like you admire or look up to. Um, well, there's two who are actually coming to our summit, which is really fun. Rana Ayu, who did a lot of reporting on uh, Modi and traced a lot of his history and his backstory, which is, you know, extremely invaluable to like modern day South Asian geopolitics. So she's mm -hmm. one. And then I've been following as a con for a long time from Al Jazeera. I think Wajid Khan, I want to say, the, I think he was on CNN for a while. Um, I've been following him for a long time and honestly like Hassan too like even though he wasn't a journalist like I think he did have yeah. like really good you know commentary on like issues that were kind of like um like a little bit political in nature yeah. <laughs> like Imra uh Iman Siddiqui for sure who mm -hmm. also used to work mm -hmm. for the juggernaut um she's a really great writer and then I think his name is Ahmed Ali Ahmed Ali Akbar he's actually a dear friend of yeah. like <laughs> oh yeah. No, he's an amazing writer. You should tell him that I said that. Um, yeah. So I think kind of like this, that era of like the digital media kind of heyday, like I think a lot of those Muslim journalists, like I think that platformed like a couple really cool Muslim journalists who also, you know, shaped my thinking. Fanboy Friday is a production of Rafelion Media. It's hosted by me, Shah Jahan Khan, and produced and edited by Ari Mathay. Our theme music was composed by me with help from Nick Zampiello at New Alliance Mastering and features my good friend and longtime musical co-conspirator Tanya Bullitt on vocals. Please follow today's guest Alana Achter on Twitter slash X at Alana Ach, that's A-L-L-A-N-A-A-K-H, and read her stuff on The Juggernaut. Also, make sure you subscribe to createfon.com, that's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com for lots of other cool stuff by American Muslim creatives. Thanks so much. See you next week.